and welcome to Crying on My Yoga Mat. My name is JD, and this podcast is all about building a community where, alongside amazing guests, we have real conversations about the low lows, celebrate the highs, and everything in between. I know what it's like to go through life feeling stuck and powerless to do anything about it. Here, you'll meet yourself where you are and learn tangible tools to help you become who you want to be while honoring the journey. You've gotten this far, so let's keep going together. Take a deep breath and let's go. If you listened to episode number nine, you likely remember Tilda talking about her friend Kea, and that is exactly who is here with us this episode. Kea Marriott, aka Comfy Girl Curls, is a Vancouver-based lifestyle blogger and content creator. She talks with us about the various changes she's made in her life and how she supported and learned more about herself during the process. You are going to love this conversation. Hello, hello. Hello. Thank you so much for being here with me. No, thank you for asking me. I'm, so, I'm truly honored. Oh, I'm so excited. I uh, One of the things that I love most about hosting this podcast is getting the chance to have conversations with cool people, especially when they're local and I can amp up another British Columbia person. <laughs> <laughs> so we have already chit-chatted a little bit and you're kind of like, I'm open, let's freaking go. So let's Get right into the conversation. What is one of your strongest or the one that really has recently been hitting home, crying on your yoga mat moments? My most recent crying on my yoga mat moment is definitely tied to work and career choices. Right now, I've been working a nine to five job, which honestly, for a really long time was a goal of mine. Um, I went from working in retail, which was great, but really hectic and didn't give me time to focus on myself. So for a really long time, my stress and many crying on my yoga mat moments were coming from wanting to leave that environment and get into a nine to five job. And here we are. I've been here going on five years. And most recently, I've had a few crying on my yoga mat moments where I've just come home and felt so stuck and stagnant um, and unable to really pursue a lot of the creative endeavors that I have. And that's when I just knew I needed an absolute change. Like I couldn't be coming home feeling like this anymore. And I would like cry to my husband. I'd just mope around on the couch. I wouldn't really be able to get out of bed. I felt so stuck. It was one of those things where I feel stuck in the workplace, but I come home and I still feel that feeling of being stuck. And then it prevents me from being able to do the things I actually want to do. And I feel stuck about not being able to do despite me technically, you know, technically having the time after work to do it. I would just feel so stuck. And it kind of got to the point where that feeling was the catalyst to make the decision to say, Hey, you know what? I'm diving full-time into creative ventures and start making the plans to move away from my, my nine to five, which is very scary and risky, but it was those moments that forced me 
to realize I needed a change. Oh, that's exciting. And we didn't really pre-talk too much about what we were going to talk about here, which I love because I'm sitting here being like, holy crap, I identify with your story. So for me, I was hosting trivia and karaoke at pubs and it was fun. It was good enough. But I'm like, I want a grown up job. I want that nine to five. Give me that sweet, sweet nine to five office job. I got the nine to five office job. It ate my soul. (laughs) I wasn't even in it for a year. And I was just, I was ready to leave. And then the lovely panini hit and that ended that for me. I want to really get into this with you because there is so much emotion around achieving what you wanted and then it becoming not what you want or realizing, ooh, shoot, this uh, this isn't quite what I thought it was going to be. Now is it? Oh, yes. <laughs> I actually feel I have had that experience. I was trying to count, I want to say four or five times. And I'm only 28 and I've had several career changes. So a bit of context, right out of high school, I moved to New York and I was going to be a dancer. I was going to be a professional dancer. My whole childhood had led up to that moment. And I had auditioned, got into the school and that was, that was my life. That wow. was my whole entire plan. And I got there and definitely had some rose-colored glasses at first and loved it. I'm like, I'm in New York City. And then, you know, the reality hits in. I am doing the day-to-day classes. And my moment then was actually when I had dinner with a gentleman who had helped me get into the school who was now traveling with a dance company. So he had made it. He was living the dream, right? And I had dinner with the cast and they're all sitting around the table saying, yeah, you know what? Like, I'm really, I'm getting to my thirties. I'm really going to have to figure out what I want to do with my life. And somebody else is like, yeah, you know, like I'm working at the bar after like a 12 hour dance day to make rent. and." It's all great and all, but I realized I didn't love it enough for that. Yeah. There's not a lot that I love enough for that. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. And I I 100% admire everybody who is still in it and truly had that passion. But I realized that, you know what, as I unpacked it, I liked it because I was good at it. Mm. And everybody said, that's what you have to do. Like you're... Of course, you're going to be a dancer. And I definitely had a crying on the yoga mat then. Like, I was just distraught. It was the same sort of pattern. I couldn't get out of bed. I would go to class. I'd come back and I would be home by three and I'd be in bed. I'm living in New York City. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there like, I need a change. And I actually knew pretty early, like, it was December. I'd only been like maybe three months in and I knew that I wanted to be out. But understandably, my parents were like, you know, you've committed to something, at least stick out a year. We, we paid for this, right? Yeah. I, like, I had gone through the process to get a student loan and grants and everything. So I was like, well, okay, let's, let's finish the process. So came home 
after the year. The change was after the year and it was for the best. And I was like, okay, career change. What do I love enough for to be broke? And I've always loved writing. Went to school to do creative writing. And, you know, it's Vancouver. <laughs> I, also, I also moved out. And, you know, you can't afford all that. No. And so I was working retail at the time and I got a job as a supervisor position. And there was kind of an ultimatum there where it's like, you have to be full-time in retail as a supervisor. And I had, again, that sort of moment, what am I going to do? And I was like, you know what? I can come back to writing. I can come back to school. And this is good money. There's an opportunity to move up. And I was then in retail, looked, never looked back for school for, I want to say, maybe five years. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, that writing dream is getting further and further, further and further back. And then again, the moment I was talking about earlier, I had been in retail all this time and I was like, I love writing. I started getting into blogging, started dabbling in more creative ventures. And I was like, retail does not give me the time to do this. Yes, it's everything I wanted in terms of like flexibility to an extent, but I want that grown-up job. I want the stability. I want benefits, right? And definitely had that moment where I was so stuck in retail. I felt trapped. It's the same pattern I was getting and took the dive left, got into the nine to five. And yeah, it's so I definitely feel like that pattern has been present throughout all my life. And I will say each change has been for the better. I never regretted any change. So even though you get into it and you realize it's not what you wanted or it's not everything you thought it was going to be, there's no experience that I look back on and I regret. Mm. So there's there's that. <laughs> yeah. It, it's important to find like the power in where you've already been, even if it's just like, wow, my bank account would not have looked like that if I didn't have this job and I get to mm -hmm. pursue this creative endeavor. I get to like buy things to create things to fuel the actual dream. Like, thank you for that. Yeah. Upcoming, you plan to leap again. And mm -hmm. this one, you get to have all the juicy knowledge of everything you've done before. You get to have those like other jump pads that you've had worth of information and insight. Can you tell us about the plan that you have to make this leap? Absolutely. I am incredibly excited about it. <laughs> I actually have been planning for a little while, longer than I've been sharing. and. I sort of soft launched it in a sense. And I think that is something that I have learned from my previous because every change I made, I feel like progressively got less and less shocking to people mm. by how I rolled it out. Because to be fair, I think I really shocked my parents, my friends, my dance teachers, like everybody in my life when I said I wanted to leave dance because I was somebody who kept a lot of things bottled up and it wasn't until I was so unhappy that I shared it. So people were like, where is this coming from? And you're like, it's been here. <laughs> exactly. It's been eating me away. 
going through all these different experiences, I think with this one, I was very intentional with soft launching it with my boss, with my family, which I feel like I didn't really need to as much. I started talking more about my blogging, which is the main creative venture that I'm leaving to go do full time. And that was actually the first step because that was very personal and private. I didn't have my real name out there anywhere. If somebody tried to Google me, they would not find me. It was a very private thing. And so that was part of my soft launch. I would bring it up in conversation more. What do you do? Well, this is my day job, but I also blog. And I changed all my socials and my blog to have my real name in it. So if somebody popped my name into Google, they would find me. So it was very intentional. It was always real to me, but to start to add credibility to what I was going to be doing, because that was a bit of a fear of mine was that people would try to talk me out of it. People would say, you're making a mistake. I mean, we all know that nine to fives have wonderful benefits. And I'm fortunate enough that where I am now, I had or have a pension. I have all those golden handcuffs that people will be trapped forever because, you know, it's, it's, too, it's not worth the risk in a lot of people's mind to leave. So what I had to do in my mind was build up the credibility of my new career path for people. Other than that, I would also say just planning. Like, yes, it's a risk to make a life change, but I feel like that risk goes down exponentially when you do the work to plan. Whether that's financial planning, it's planning in advance how I'm going to plan my days, how I'm going to structure myself, organize myself. And yeah, and I would say like the last part of prepping was talking to my boss well in advance because my job, I'm relied on a lot. I knew or I know it will be quite a loss and hard to replace the position. And I didn't want to leave anybody hanging, especially the people that are still there because I have all the love for them. So I basically given about an eight months, six to eight months notice. (laughs) (laughs) That way I actually get to be a part of the recruiting plan and replacement plan and training plan. So I also feel no guilt there. And that has been so freeing because quitting my past jobs have been very stressful situations. I take on a lot of guilt because a lot of the roles I've had have had a lot of responsibility. And I just have held so much guilt for leaving. Uh, My last boss, actually, when I put in my notice, he was like, no, I'm not accepting it. And I was like, okay. And I stayed like six months. Yeah, I only ended up leaving when he left too. He's like, now we can go together. (laughs) I was like, oh. That's one of the most Canadian things I've ever heard. Oh, Oh, sorry about that. I didn't mean it. No, no, it's fine. Yeah, so I feel like I've really worked hard to lay the groundwork for this change, which is different um, from anything I've done before. And I actually feel no stress. Like, I can't describe how I feel. My husband has said, that I don't breathe weird anymore. <laughs> like I used to have strange breathing patterns. It's basically just anxiety and stress. And since I have made this decision, even though it's like eight months in advance, 
I don't, I don't breathe strangely. It's, it's, it's been a life-changing experience. The quick aside is the fact that that's one of the joys of marriage. Hey, is like, hey, you're breathing oh, yeah. different. What, what happened? Yeah. I'm breathing different. Yeah, you yeah, are. Yeah. So what's wrong? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that is so cool, though. I love that it seems that the ease kind of stems from your trust in yourself. You're like, look, mm-hmm. I've put in all this background work. doesn't really matter if you don't believe in me because I have receipts. So yes. I'm doing this and I feel good about it. And I'm honoring people as much as I'm respecting myself. Yes. Oh, my goodness. And I think you touched on something that I didn't even realize was the trust. Because the other day I was talking to somebody and I said, it's scary or I'm scared. And I stopped myself and was like, I'm not scared. And I feel like it's something that I feel like I'm supposed to be saying because I'm taking this risk. And I caught myself. I'm like, I have zero fear. And I think I even said it a bit earlier. I, because it's something I feel like I'm supposed to be saying Mm. because it sounds as though you're crazy if you're not scared. And so you sort of add all these extra adjectives into what you're doing but yeah I'm not actually afraid at all like I'm not afraid about income like I've planned it yeah I don't know I'm I'm just not afraid uh I love that I'm gonna just celebrate that with you I want to sit in this moment because it feels really good and like I feel it and I'm like gleaning on it for you because I'm like oh I need that Ooh, but I mean You've brought up this incredible point of like, how often do we say out loud or think certain mindsets that aren't true to us? Because I mean, to your point of other people's opinions of it, because we often know that other people, sometimes they don't have an entrepreneurship mind. They don't have a risk taking mind. I certainly don't sometimes. And we can want to soften it for them and not make them feel bad if they're not at the same place that we are. But the world would be a really boring place if we're all the same freaking destination. So really, I applaud you on taking the time to be like, no, 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 I'm challenging that narrative that just came up because that does not actually fit. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's work. I have to, I definitely have to keep catching myself. But I'm it's in a, I'm in a good place. It feels good. That is so cool. I wonder, oh man, that just makes my brain go on like, how many areas in life do we all have these like thoughts that don't actually serve us? Oh, every aspect I would say. <laughs> if we really stop to unpack it, I'm sure. That is just the coolest journey that you got to incrementally get better and better at doing what you're doing and it's just set up such a good foundation for you I want to spend a little time in the less ideal transitions that you did because I know Mm -hmm. some people listening are either looking to transition or have just done a rough one or just have the the fear that you used to feel and are looking at you now like oof will I ever have that confidence that she has so like what were some of the difference makers and maybe take us into some of the depths too like some of the 
crying to your husband moments kind of thing of like, but I don't know. Yeah. I. So I would say the first one is actually going back to New York because it's funny. It's been almost a decade now and I still go back to being in New York and the mindset that I was in because I look back on that time period with so much bittersweetness because yeah, it was, it was the first time I was living alone. Um, granted I, I lived in a women's residence with not a lot of freedom, but, um, still you're alone. You're young in New York. I could basically do whatever I want. Didn't have a lot of money, but I definitely felt as though my entire life up to that point had not been for nothing, but I had worked for so long towards one particular goal. And all of a sudden I knew this goal wasn't what I wanted anymore. And that was really hard because my entire identity as I started dancing when I was two and a half. Wow. I missed like high school experiences for dance always. And I, again, don't regret any of that, but at the time I had no problem missing out on things because it's like, I'm going to be a dancer. Mm. Like this this is what I'm going to do. That's my identity. This is, this is who I am. And so part of what I really struggled with was what is my identity then if I am not doing this? So even once I finally made the change and it was like, okay, I'm back in Vancouver. I'm going to go to school for writing. I still felt like I had this identity crisis weighing over me. And it took honestly a really long time to shake because it wasn't just in my head that that was my identity. It was definitely how people saw me. So when I would reconnect with people, the first thing we would ask about is dance in New York. And anybody I hadn't seen in forever, like that, those are the two questions. And interestingly enough and it's really weird that I'm getting emotional right now it's like oh my goodness literally a decade ago I wrote to my dance teacher and I had emailed her basically being like this is something like I need to make this career change and yeah I felt like I owed it to her to tell her this because you know she had put so much into me and it was actually her she was the first person who was like, the dance world is not cut out for everybody. And she's like, I don't actually wish it upon anybody. Mm. And she's like, if you can be creative and live without it, I encourage you to be creative elsewhere. And I need to find it. I still have like the letter she wrote me and like having her say that to me, I think was such a change. And no matter what anybody said, Otherwise, I felt like I could cling on to that and was like, I have creative expression that is valid outside of dance. And I have like identity outside of dance. And I had expressed to her that I loved writing. And she was like, that is like, if you can express yourself that way, do it. Like, I would rather you do that than dance. And that like, I obviously I'm getting emotional. It still stuck with me because it was really hard. It was really hard to leave. And I think that that's something I don't even talk about very much because 
yeah, it was this feeling of who am I now? And also just a feeling of disappointing a lot of people. And I definitely felt like I disappointed my parents, everybody who believed in me, my dance teacher. So having her say like, no, like you're good. And I want you to do something else was incredibly freeing for me. And it was, it was kind of the closure I needed. I definitely still grappled with it. And it took honestly probably years to be like that parts behind me. And I have a new identity now, or my identity doesn't need to be wrapped up in what I do. And I think that was actually a critical thing. It wasn't necessarily, oh, my new identity is a writer or working in retail or whatever my job is. It was this unlocking that my identity isn't what I do. Yeah. What were some ways that you went about unlocking what your identity was as Kea? Ooh, I think it was honestly just digging deep into who I am and as a person and what I enjoy. Mm -hmm. And I think tying it more so into the things I do that I enjoy and like how I would describe myself. Like I feel like I'm a very open person. I consider myself very empathetic. I'm somebody who takes joy in little things. I can get very fascinated by information and learning. And I think that's how I've come to identify myself as. Yes, I blog and I love to write and I do all these things. But again, it's more the why I like to do these things. That's my identity. It's so for some reason, if I stop writing, that doesn't mean I lose my identity. It's like, what is it that you like about writing that makes me who I am? Yeah. I feel like that definitely took steps. Like it's really just stopping and looking at yourself as a person and kind of questioning why you do what you do. Like what and what are and what are some of the patterns that you notice in yourself? Yeah, I realize that I love learning. Like I will never stop learning. I will teach myself photography, weird abstract facts on the internet. Like I just love learning. And that's what I'm realizing is the base of my identity. And I love perfecting the things that I've learned if it's a skill. And I'm realizing that can translate to so many different interests. That was the same thing with dance. Like I liked bettering myself and learning about the dance world. And that translates into writing and blogging and photography and everything so that's the key part of my identity that never actually left it's been there throughout everything that I've ever done so even if I make a change I'm still taking my identity with me I could drop all the things I technically do and still be me yeah it's really just yeah taking that pause and looking at your values and thinking, okay, well, I value knowledge. I value learning. I value if it's taking care of your body and that's why you enjoy moving it. And I, yeah. I want to go back to what your dance teacher said, because it just keeps going over and over in my mind. Like if you can go be creative in a different way, go be creative because I know I grew up with a bit of a fixed mindset sometimes. And if I'm not good at something quickly, then I don't enjoy continuing to do it. And Sometimes those are areas that we need to buckle down and try a little harder on, but sometimes mm -hmm. it's okay to try a different avenue. Like I started a blog last year. Please don't go look at it. It's not very good, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But then I'm like, oh, that didn't work very well, but maybe I'll try a different form of creativity. And here we are podcasting. And this episode will be the 21st episode of the podcast, which is pretty good. 21 weeks in a row of releasing a podcast. Like, neat. So it's, there's just, yeah, there's just so much beauty in one granting ourselves the space and opportunity to figure out what works for us rather than like we were talking about earlier allowing those preconditioned mindsets and notions to take over and scheduling and creating our lives in a way that reflect what we've learned Mm -hmm. for me sometimes I get stuck in the learning process or in the emotion figuring out process and then I don't integrate it and then the cycle comes back and I'm like why and the universe is like you didn't integrate it yes I relate to that so how did you integrate like when you were first learning kind of the things that truly made up who you were yeah I don't know if it was a conscious thing because I find I'm definitely a doer. Like I learn something and I want to perfect it and do it. I think for me, it's in terms of integration, for me, I see that almost as going live. (laughs) So like (laughs) I will, (laughs) I will be doing all these things on the sidelines, like emotionally prepping, like learning and technically still doing, and I guess technically integrating but I don't really go live with it. Like I don't, it, it's still a very private thing. It takes a lot for me to actually do it publicly, mm. if that makes sense, or to actually do it in a sense where I feel like I'm not practicing anymore. Mm. And that's kind of how I see like the integration. Like I might be doing it all quietly on the side and little pieces but it takes a lot for me to bring it all together and then do the thing in a public way or to actually launch whatever it is that I'm working on or have the confidence to say, okay, you know, we're, we're doing this thing. It's, it's an actual thing now. It's not my private venture. And there is joy also in doing things privately and just for yourself. But I find that for me, the hardest part has always been, going live with it I don't know that's that's the that's the terminology I'm gonna use (laughs) I like the terminology because it makes sense because like a lot of the time we just don't you you just don't go live with something without some sort of thought even if it's like I'm just gonna sit here and talk with people like that's some sort of thought and integration to it how did you support yourself in the darker times in the times where you were like uh, who am I? What am I? What do I do? I'm letting people down, but more so letting myself down. A huge thing that has carried me through has been writing. When I was in New York, what pulled me through initially was writing. I got a journal. I would force myself out of our little residency and go sit at a coffee shop with my notebook and my laptop and I would write and I actually technically finished a young adult um, fantasy novel which will probably never see the light of day but that was my outlet and 
just being able to put words on paper has always been something that has been really good for me. And I find that when I'm feeling incredibly low, it takes a lot of work for me to even reach for my notebook. And that's how I know it's like, it's pretty bad. But getting into that mindset of kind of, that's the one thing I got to force myself to. We're just going to stream of consciousness. We're going to open the book. We're going to just write. We're going to doodle whatever it is. And usually eventually something comes out. And that is something that has kind of always brought me peace. And that's definitely what pulled me through New York and afterwards. And I would say now in most recent times, I found it harder to actually reach for like my creative writing because I find that I do so much writing in the blogging space, but it is still something that brings me peace. But I found that I've started relying on people a lot more, which is very different for me as an introvert. But I would say in like my most recent moments with my work and wanting to make a transition, I started reaching out to people more, whether that's my husband talking to my parents about wanting to make a change, reaching out to people I've met online, because the experience is quite universal of feeling stuck and stagnant and you know, just talking to people who have done it or people who have decided that they don't ever want to make the change, they're going to balance both. And just really talking it out with others, I feel, has been a game changer this year because that's not something I used to do. I definitely used to keep it in and rely on the paper to get it out. But as I've gotten older, I've really started to try to reach out to people and rely on them for support. I really identify with that. I I grew up writing more so because I, I needed that outlet so badly and I didn't I didn't feel that I had the voice. And as I get older, the more I'm realizing that I really need other people. Like I need mm-hmm. unifiers. Like I need another human being that understands an exact emotion. It doesn't have to be all of my emotions, but like yes. if someone can identify with the struggle that I'm going through, oh my gosh, it helps me get through another day. Yes. Oh my goodness. I mean, this could be a whole other rabbit hole of a conversation, (laughs) but you saying that is so true. The unifier experience, because I went, especially through some of the past transitions, another layer of emotion for me was feeling very alone. And so I was going through these changes and I felt just so alone in this experience. And this past, we're going on two or three years, I have found a lot of people going through the same thing that I am, maybe not the same across the board, but a lot of similar experiences that I felt like I could go to them. And I like feeling alone isn't a thing anymore for me, I, which is incredible. And I really thank online for that. Like <laughs> the amount of friends I have made online, like I love my in-person friends to death. But the reality is with being able to connect with people online, you're connecting usually over a shared experience or a shared love for something. And somebody who really gets like the industry that you're in and the unique struggles of the industry that you're in. And so when you're feeling stuck or stagnant, you can go to somebody and you don't have to explain the emotion. You don't have to explain 
the background information as to why you feel that way. You can just, you can just say it and it's like, I, I get it. And that has been such a game changer in feeling supported yeah. in like every change that is coming and the ones that I've made recently, even if they're just little small changes. Yeah. How did you start growing that community? So for me, despite being in like the lifestyle beauty influencer world, my first time truly connecting was pe- with people online was with the writer world. Mm-hmm. And I actually launched a, a Twitter account just for writing because I wanted to be connected with the writing industry. And this was 2019. And I literally found myself a writing, two writing groups and another girl that is now like a really good friend. And she's actually the person who encouraged me to take blogging full time. And it was literally just being actively present in an online space that I knew was dedicated to what my interests were. Mm -hmm. And at that time too, I was really trying to lean into writing professionally. And so I was like, okay, well, who do I got to follow? Let's follow some agents. Let's follow some publishers. Let's follow the people that are having discussions about struggling to write or get their book out there. And I just started following and engaging with these conversations. And it didn't actually take a lot of time to connect with people. The beauty about it was I found one group that I still talk to that is purely online. We're from all across North America. And then I found the second group where they sort of found me and they're all Vancouver based. And we started meeting up in person. Then, you know, panorama hit and we started meeting virtually and that trickled off a bit, but we are still there in group chats and for each other, celebrating each other's wins and, you know, being there if we need support. And it all just unfolded organically from intentionally putting myself in a space that I knew that there were like-minded people or like gold people. I love that. I know that I've made friends literally in the Instagram comment sections being like, I'm an Enneagram four wing five. Oh, I am too. Oh, let's follow each other. And like, we've gone through some depths together because it's, oh, oh, I know that you're a four, so we can be emotional AF together. So I need to cry about something. Here we go. Absolutely. No, it's so true. Like some of the people that I have literally never met, I have been the most vulnerable with. And I literally know, like, if we planned a trip to go somewhere together, we actually have talked about this. Oh, yeah, like, we'll be splitting a hotel room. Like, there's, like, no, no worries. Like, you've just, you've connected with somebody on such a deep level. And I think a lot of people don't understand that if they aren't really online. Like, I feel like it's so counter to what we were taught growing up. You know, don't talk to people on the internet. (laughs) Yeah. But it's. But it's, I think it's one of the more beautiful sides of social media, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, yeah, it, it's nice as like some of us are still slowly coming out of our social anxieties with in-person hangouts and mm-hmm. accessibility too is a really big thing. And that's that's a big reason I love the internet is the accessibility of it because we didn't have this growing up as I'm gesturing with my no. hands on a podcast. We didn't have, <laughs> we didn't have Zoom. We didn't have podcast it's like the fact that 
I've received messages from people being like, this was something that I was struggling with and I'm specifically listening to podcasts on this topic and I found you and I felt a little less alone in that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, because oh! I grew up an yeah. only child, lonely as fuck and the loneliness has carried through my whole life, but it's only become me taking responsibility for my loneliness and being like, oh, Ooh. I have to reach out to other people. And if they don't like me, it's okay. I could reach out to other people and find people who do like me. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. You just hit something with the responsibility for your loneliness. That's oh, yeah, I 100% agree. And it's something my husband pokes fun at me at because probably up until 2018 I used to part of me just sitting here being sad was me being like I don't I'm so alone like I don't I don't have anybody to blah blah and then it was literally fast forward to a year and he's like remember when you said you had no friends like you literally have no time to do anything because you're having zoom calls in-person things and I'm like I found I found my people and it was like you said, it was, and I don't think I was consciously being like, I'm taking responsibility for my loneliness, Mm -hmm. but it is what happened. I started to actively put myself out there and it changed, it changed everything. Yeah. The actively is the keyword there, because even if it doesn't feel like a cognizant taking responsibility, you are taking action. Mm, Even if it's just replying to someone's Instagram story all the time. They might think you're a creep or they might be like, ooh, new best friend. We have something in common. Yes. Every time your cat is on your Instagram story, I'm like, mm, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes. No, it's so true. It's, it's. I feel like every interaction with social media, and I know there's like the dark side of it, but I truly feel like every interaction is a way of reaching out and connecting. Like whether it's an emoji, whether it's like, no matter what it is, I find like it is a way of reaching out for connection. Mm -hmm. For me, I'm really struggling with how much time I spend on my phone because it's really not healthy. And that's my biggest fear is the fear of missing out because no one reaches out to me aside from on social media. So I'm just so scared Mm -hmm. of like disconnecting from social for my mental health and then isolating myself accidentally because no one reaches out so like oh there's there's so much to it that is oh no I I agree with you 100% I (laughs) I saw the like no (laughs) oh but you're so right there is it is an addiction in a sense because it's like this fear like I don't feel good when my phone's gone for too long and I'm like I need to do something about this yeah yeah that's also where all my friends are I spend so much time distracting when I think Mm -hmm. I'm doing like things that are helpful because like interacting with people is helpful. Yeah. But. Yeah. Oh, I hear you. This has been so, so good. And we talked about so many cool things that I'm really glad that we did. Tell us about how we can see your beautiful face more. How do we support you? Where do we learn more about you? Oh, well, first of all, it's been absolutely amazing. I've had such a good time talking. Uh, you can find me um, as Comfy Girl Curls all over the internet. My blog is actually comfygirlwithcurls.com, but across social media, Instagram, Pinterest, TikTok, YouTube, Comfy Girl Curls is my name, my handle. Something I'm really excited about is 
Pinterest right now. So if you're sleeping on Pinterest, go follow me there. I actually just started as one of their 10 founding members of their creator program in Canada. No way. Yes. That's huge. I am still shaking and honored and it feels so weird talking about it. There are 10 of us across Canada, all in different niches. And I get to get paid to create content for them. And just, yeah, they've been a love of my life before that even. So it's just a great privilege to work with them. So if you want to show me love anywhere, show me love there because it will just help the program and help me out. It's been a whirlwind, a whirlwind. I'm so excited to continue to support you and all that you do. I'm going to get off of this call and go get my Pinterest game together so that I can follow you. Thank you so much for talking with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Truly. This has been very freeing and just lovely. Well, we'll talk soon. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media. You can tag me on Instagram at crying on my yoga mat so I can see what you're learning and loving about the show. Until next time.